0: Good morning, and welcome to Jewish Faith and Jewish Facts. I'm Rabbi Stephen Garten. Many of you, I'm sure, are aware that the Hebrew Bible... Is divided into three sections. The first section in Hebrew is called Torah, the five books of Moses. The second section is called in Hebrew Nivim, the prophets. These books include the famous 12 prophets uh, for whom uh, each book is named, as well as the historical books. And the last section is known as Ketubim, the writings. The five books of the Torah are divided into weekly readings, and each book is read in the synagogue from beginning to end each year. It's understood in uh, Jewish tradition that the rereading of the text allows us to find new meaning in the God's words, Uh, Because though the text doesn't change, we change. How we hear the story of Genesis when we are five um, is usually not the same as when we hear the words of Genesis at age 15 or 25 or 50 or even 65. We hear those beautiful stories in so many different ways. And the same would be true, of course, to the stories of Exodus, Exodus. Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. Jews around the world have just begun their reading and exploration of the fifth book of the Torah, Deuteronomy. So I thought that this morning I would chat with you about that fifth book, known in Greek as Deuteronomy, meaning the second law. Deuteronomy has two Hebrew names: Sefer Devarim, short for the Elah HaDevarim. These are the words taken from its opening phrase, and the second name is Mishnah Torah, meaning repetition of the Torah. And that name is taken from Deuteronomy 17:18 in which God commands Moses to tell the Israelites that when they enter the land he will write for them a Torah. The book of uh, Deuteronomy consists of five retrospective discourses and poems that Moses addressed to Israel as they stood in Moab shortly before entering the promised land, and shortly before his death. And there are uh, two chapters which speak of the final acts of Moses. The book's core is the second discourse, in which Moses conveys laws that the people commissioned him to receive from God at Mount Sinai 40 years earlier. Several themes in Deuteronomy stand out. Among the Torah's books, it is the most vigorous and clear advocate of monotheism and of the ardent exclusive loyalty that Israel owes God. Let me read to you a couple of selections from the book of Deuteronomy that support that. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 32 through 40, we read, You have but to inquire about bygone ages that became before you. Ever since God created human beings on earth from one end of heaven to the other, has anything as grand as this ever happened? Or has it ever like been known? Has any people heard the voice of God speaking out of a fire as you haven't survived? Or has any God ventured to go and take God himself one nation from the midst of another by prodigious acts by signs and portents? By war, by a mighty and outstretched arm and awesome power as the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. And it's been clearly demonstrated to you that Lord alone is God and there is none beside him. From the heavens, he let you hear his voice to discipline you on earth. He let you see his great fire and from amidst that fire you heard his words And because he cared for your ancestors, he chose their offspring after him, after them. He himself in his great might led you out of Egypt to drive from your path nations greater and more populous than you. Know this, therefore, this day and keep in mind that Lord alone is God in heaven above and on earth below. And there is no other. That is, of course, how uh, God speaks to the people of Israel, suggesting their loyalty. And in Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, we hear the famous cry of monotheism that is at the heart of Jewish worship. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God and the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Monotheism and exclusive loyalty, two of the themes of the book of Deuteronomy. The book stresses the covenant between God and Israel, summed up in chapter 26, verse 16. Let me share that with you. The Lord your God commands you this day to observe the laws and rules, observe them faithfully with all your heart and soul. You have affirmed this day that the Lord is your God and that you will walk in his ways, that you will observe his laws and commandments and rules, that you will obey the eternal. And God has affirmed this day that you are as he promised you, his treasured people, Amsegulah which shall observe all his commandments and that they will set you in fame and renown and glory high above all the nations that he has made. And ye shall be as he promised. Am Kedushah, a holy people to the Lord your God. That is the covenant that is stressed between God and Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. Established with the patriarchs affirmed at Sinai and in Moab, and is to be reaffirmed as soon as Israel enters the promised land. In addition to loyalty to God and monotheism, Deuteronomy looks toward Israel's life in the land of Israel, where a society pursuing justice and righteousness, living in harmony with God and enjoying his bounty, can be established Again, let's hear how the text speaks of this promise from chapter 4, verse 5. See, I've imported to you laws and rules as the Lord your God has commanded me, Moses speaking now, and for you to abide in the land which you are about to invade and occupy. Observe them faithfully, for that will be proof of your wisdom and discernment to other gods and other people who, on hearing all these laws, will say, surely that great nation is a wise and a discerning people. For what great nation is there that is a God so close at hand as the Lord our God whenever we call upon them? And what great nation has laws and rules as perfect as all this teaching that I set before you this day? Of course, um, in chapter 7, when we read about um, this, um, listen carefully to how it's expressed. And, the lo- and if you obey these rules and observe them faithfully, the Lord your God will maintain for you the gracious covenant that he has made with the oath of your father's you can live in harmony with God and enjoy his bounty in the land of Israel. But the promise of this land is conditional. Listen again to the text. Chapter 11. Keep, therefore, all the instruction that I enjoin upon you today so that you may have the strength to occupy the land which you are about to cross into and occupy that you may long endure upon the soul which God swore to your fathers to give them and to their descendants a land flowing with milk and honey. Israel's welfare depends upon a society governed by God's social and religious laws. These laws are a divine gift to Israel unparalleled in their justice and their ability to secure God's closeness The Torah's humanitarianism is developed in Deuteronomy's concern for the welfare of the poor and disadvantaged. Deuteronomy proclaims the unique rule that sacrifice may take place only in the religious capital in a single sanctuary. Its aim is to spiritualize religion by freeing it from excessive dependence on sacrifice and priesthood. It urges in many cases, especially in chapter 12, instead of sacrifice at the temple, study of God's law and performing rituals that teach reverent love for the eternal God. Its teachings laid the groundwork for non-sacrificial synagogue-based worship, which is so much a part of today's Judaism. Deuteronomy has a strong intellectual orientation. It urges all Israelites to study God's law. Perhaps that is why historically Jews have been so committed to the study of Torah. Children go to religious school not simply to develop uh, community identity, but to have a firm basis in the ancient tradition of turning the text over and over, seeing it from so many different uh, perspectives. Deuteronomy strongly influenced Jewish tradition. The core worship is the recitation of chapter 6-4. Remember, I read that to you before. Earlier, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Adonai is one. The tradition of publicly reading the Torah is rooted also in Deuteronomy. Chapter 31, verse 11 says, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which God will choose, you will read this teaching aloud in the presence of all Israel. You know that Jews read the Torah in uh, synagogue each week. Also based in Deuteronomy are the duty of blessing God after meals, In chapter 8, verse 10, Jews read the following. When you have eaten your fill, give thanks to the Lord your God for the good land and sustenance which he has given to you. That's the basis for Jews offering a prayer called the birkatamazon. After eating, not just before Some of you are aware that uh, on the doorposts leading into uh, Jewish homes, we find mezuzot, small little ornamental boxes that contain the words of the Shema. And some of you are also aware that Jewish men often put on their arms and head in the morning uh, a set of tefillin phylacteries. So, where does this come from? It comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Let me again share with you some of the verses that give rise to these traditions. In chapter 6, you hear the following. Take to heart these instructions which I charge you this day. Impress them upon your children, Recite them when you stay at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you get up. That phrase, of course, when you lie down and when you get up, is the origin of the notion of saying prayers in the evening and the morning, which exist in the synagogue or at home. Bind them as a sign upon your hand and let them serve as a symbol on your forehead. That from Deuteronomy 6 is the origin of the wearing of tefillin. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. That is the origin, the commandment, that leads to the tradition of the mezuzot, the affixing of these words on the door lintel of every room in the house in which people live. By the way, you can also find the notion of fringes on uh, our clothing in the ancient days and our uh, prayer shawls today. For it says in Deuteronomy 22, verse 12, you shall make tassels on the four corners of the garment with which you cover yourself. And it's in Deuteronomy that once again, we are charged with understanding our obligation to those who are less fortunate among you. If, however, there is a needy person among you, one of your kinsmen in any of your settlements in the land that God has given you, do not harden your heart and shut your hand against your needy kinsman. Rather, you must open your hand and lend him sufficient for whatever his needs Though the phrase of the commandment seems to refer to the kinsmen, Jewish tradition has understood the kinsmen to mean both members of the Jewish people and those for whom the Jewish people live with. Deuteronomy is the source of the concepts that religious life should be based on a sacred book and its study. As a biblical book that deals most explicitly with beliefs and attitudes rather than history, it plays a major role in Jewish theology. In the theological, ethical introduction of the book Mishnah Torah, Maimonides, the 11th century Spanish uh, doctor and philosopher, cites Deuteronomy more than any other book starting with the command to believe in God and to believe in God alone, Deuteronomy's effect on Jewish life cannot be overstated. No book has shaped Jewish history more than monotheism, and monotheism emerges most passionately from this book. Having given you an overview of the book, I want to share with you one of the most notable aspects of this book, are the five retrospective discourses and poems that Moses shares with the people? In each of them, he reminds the Israelites, now a generation that did not sl- know slavery and was born into freedom, of the history of the Jewish experience since Abraham. You know, remembering is an essential aspect of Jewish faith. Five times a year, we remember our deceased loved ones in a service known as Yartzeit, a Yiddish word for remembering. Often, our holidays have components which stress remembering. We even have a Shabbat called Shabbat Zachor, the Shabbat of remembering. Moses' discourse remind the Israelites of their past, a past that uh, they did not know firsthand. So why do Jews place such an important emphasis on remembering? Often the world does not understand why the Jewish people go on and on about the Holocaust, and that was only 65 years ago. For over 25 centuries, we have been remembering and observing significant events. Why, you ask? Why don't Jews let bygones be bygones? It's history, it said. What was, what was? Why keep visiting old and often painful visions of the Jewish past? Deuteronomy is a book that uh, is filled with reminders of Jewish past events. You know, there is a story, they say, that Napoleon was once passing through the Jewish ghetto in Paris and heard sounds of crying and wailing and emanating from a synagogue. He stopped to ask what the lament was about. He was told that the Jews were remembering the destruction of their temple. When did that happen? Asked the emperor Napoleon. Some 1700 years ago was the answer he received. Whereupon Napoleon stated with conviction that a people who never forgot its past. Would be destined to forever have a future. Jews never had history. We have memory. History can become a book, a museum, forgotten antiquities. Memory is alive, and memory guarantees our future. Perhaps that's why Moses found it so important to stand at the foot of the promised land, already knowing that he would never enter it but reminding the people of their past and creating memories. You know, even amidst the ruins, we refuse to forget. The first temple was destroyed by the Babylonians. And as the Babylonians led the Jews into captivity, we read the following. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept, remembering Zion. Now, what did those ancient Jews cry for? Their lost wealth, their homes, their businesses. No, they cried out for Zion and Jerusalem. If we forget the O Jerusalem, let my left, my right hand lose my. It's cunning. If I fail to elevate Jerusalem above my foremost joy, then let my tongue cleave to its palate. At that moment six hundred eighty five we were not weeping for ourselves or our lost liberties, but for the heavenly vision of Jerusalem La Mala, the heavenly Jerusalem and Yerushalayim shall Lamata and the earthly Jerusalem. Amidst the bondage our memory aspired us to build. Amidst the ruins we dreamt of returning. And because we refused to forget Jerusalem, we returned. Because we refused to accept defeat after defeat or accept our exile as a historical theta complete, we have rebuilt proud Jewish communities the world over, while our victors have been vanquished by time. Today, there are no more people who call themselves Babylonians. And the people who now live in Rome are not the Romans who destroyed the Second Temple. Those who live in Spain are not the Spanish who expelled us. Those nations became history, while the Jewish people, inspired by memory, emerge revitalized and regenerated. And forever committed to the notion that the people of Israel who follow the covenant live forever. There is a story told of a Torah scholar and his nephew who were in the Holocaust. In the concentration camp without books, they studied Talmud together from memory They were learning the section called Moed Katan, a part of the Talmud that discusses the laws of mourning. And when the time came that the uncle saw himself staring death in the face, he said to his nephew, promise me if you survive, you will finish studying this book of Moed Katan. Amidst the misery, desolation, and tragedy, what thought preoccupied this rabbi's mind that the Talmud should still be studied This was his last wish on earth. Was it madness, or is it the very secret of our survival? If only we refuse to forget, if only we observe the Jewish holidays of remembrance, can we hope to rebuild our lives one day? Deuteronomy is our yearly reminder of how important memory is to the Jewish people. You know, there's one other thing that I want to leave you with about Deuteronomy. It is that uh, Deuteronomy provides a unique aspect um, to an insight of Jewish history. There is a tradition that the book of Deuteronomy was lost uh, and that was found later on uh, in 622 BCE, according to Number Kings 2, by um, the Hebrew king uh, Josiah. And that when that book was um, found, by King Josiah, and reintroduced to the Jewish people, it served as that essential reminder of the power of memory and why um, keeping memory alive is the uh, essential dynamic of the Jewish people. History is about artifacts, that are cataloged in museums and books. Memory is the living experience of a people that uses its past to create a future. As we read the books of Deuteronomy, the book of Deuteronomy in the synagogue each week to be completed just around the time of the Jewish New Year, we have both in our hands the past and the future the past that was committed to Abraham and the future that was given to us with the words Shema Yisrael Adonai Elohenu Adonai Echad Hear, O Israel attune your ears to the word of God and to the people of Israel and you too shall always have a future this is rabbi stephen garten for jewish faith and jewish facts saying good morning and have a good day